we sing this next song, I just want us to focus on the beautiful and really the unfathomable love that God has for his children. We just celebrated Christmas when God chose to empty himself and become not this mighty warrior riding in on a, you know, a white stallion, but instead he emptied himself and came to earth as an innocent little baby to be a servant and to serve those around him. What a beautiful picture of love. Let's just focus on the beautiful love God has for his children, yes? He is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I'm a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, And he is our prize, drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. If grace is an ocean, we're all singing. So heaven be turned like an unforeseen kiss, and my heart turns violently inside of my chest, and I don't ask. Yeah. 
focus on you today. We just ask that your strength and your power come upon us as this church, upon Northview God, that we would indeed walk in a manner worthy of you, that we would indeed walk in your power and in your strength. For we know that you are always beside us and always with us, God, and we claim that promise in the name of Jesus. And we dedicate this time to you and for your glory. And all God's people say, amen. You can be seated. Well, hey, good morning. Thank you guys for being here. I, I want to give one shout out before we dive into any announcements or anything like that. Uh, we had a big event just a couple of days ago. I don't know if you guys were here, if you heard about it. We call it Christmas Eve. A uh, lot of moving pieces, a lot going on. Um, and so I just want to give a shout out for all the work that you put into Christmas Eve for us. <laughs> yep. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but hey, my name's Rob. I work with the students here at Northview. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, welcome. Thank you for, thank you for joining us in our last Sunday of 2020. It's pretty crazy. Uh, Pastor Steve says hello. He and his family, they're taking the week off. They're down in Portland visiting family. Um, he'll be back next Sunday. But we want to let you know of a couple things that are going on. Uh, ladies, there is a Bible study. This is fun. New Year. We're starting to get some momentum back in different areas. Ladies, that includes you, a women's Bible study, walking through who is Elijah, what can he teach us today. And so you can see starting on January 14th, uh, it'll be both in person and online. If you head to the website, there's going to be information there to sign up. And really want to encourage you gals heading into the new year, great time to gather together, to be centered in the word and enjoy a study together. Uh, this is, this is close to home. Impact is our midweek program for middle school and high school students. Wanted to let you know that we are, we're taking a little bit of a Christmas break. We're still doing Sundays. So today, in just a few minutes, middle school, you're going to head off upstairs with me. We will have middle school and high school today and next Sunday. Uh, but we're taking a little bit of time off. We're giving, for the most part, our leaders, uh, our, smart, our, our small group leaders, a little bit of a break to be able to spend with their families. Uh, we will be back in January. So January 8th, it's a Friday. Uh, we're going to have a party here to celebrate the new year. We're calling it Winter Chill. We want to invite middle school and high school students to come and hang out. And then the week after that, I believe the 14th and 16th, Tuesday, Thursday, we will be back with middle school and high school impact groups. Like I said, it's the end of the year. If you are hoping for your, do your donations to count on your 2020 taxes, uh, today is the last day for giving in person. You have till the 31st uh, to give online if you would like to do that as well. Uh, I did have one little note on giving and finances this year. If you received e-news this week um, and you looked and it had in there received and budgeted amounts of offering and you said, holy cow, we're really far ahead. It was a busy week to the team that was putting that together. There was a little inverse of numbers there. All right, so it's not quite what it looks like in the bulletin. We're a little bit behind, but you guys have been incredibly faithful all year long. God has done incredible things. We know he's going to see us through uh, to the end of the year with that. So if you would like to give today in person, please do. If you want to head online, nview.org, you can do that as well, and you have a couple more days for that to count for 2020. But hey, would you join me in a word of prayer this morning? God, thank you as always that we can come here at the end of the year, at the end of a crazy year, and we can end our year and begin the next with you. And Lord, how timely to talk about spending intentional time in your word. Be with Phil this morning, Lord, as he, as he shares his passion, which should be ours as well, Lord, for getting to know you, for engaging with you in scripture. Be with us this morning. See our financials through to the end of the year, Lord. We know you're an incredible God. In your son's name, amen. If you are a middle school student, 6th, 7th, or 8th grade, we're going to head out those doors and upstairs. Phil. Come on up, man. Hey there. All right. Um, so my name is Phil, for those of you who haven't met me. My family has attended Northview for a few years, and we've been really grateful to have uh, this community, especially this last year. Um, that community has been so important to us. And a few weeks ago, I was, um, you know, heading to bed, and God gave me a great idea. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. I'll, I'll definitely share that on Facebook tomorrow. And so I started to go back to bed, and then another idea came. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, wrote that down, you know. And then again, and again, 
and this continued for about an hour past my bedtime, and I was like, okay, this is, this is great, God. Um, I need to go to bed, though, and go to work tomorrow, so, you know, um, we, should, we should wrap this up. And um, the next day, I read the notes, you know, because sometimes, you know, when you're heading to sleep and you write them down, you're like, whoa. Um, I made sure that it, you know, made sense, and then I um, asked Steve if there would be a chance to share what God's put on my heart. And he said, hey, it turns out I'm actually traveling for uh, this time, and so it would be great if you could do it. And I thought that was the perfect timing, so um, God's got definitely this message planned out. And so um, I want to pray for Steve as he travels and um, for this message, so if you'll join me. God, thank you so much for um, this day and this opportunity to share. Um, thank you for Steve and Pam, and I pray blessings on their family as they um, recharge and rest. And um, God, I pray for the staff as well that, as Rob said, put on an amazing service um, that blessed so many people, and I pray that you would give them rest as well. And I thank you. And God, um, you are the great physician. And I pray that, um, and I thank you for our doctors and our nurses and everyone else um, trying to keep everybody healthy and safe. I also know that you are the God of creation and healing. And I pray that you would bless us um, all with healing and your grace and your mercy. In your name, Jesus. So <clears throat> I'd like to frame this message before I start. By, uh, with one of my favorite quotes that says that everything I do is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Because I don't have any pride in this. I don't have any you know, place to boast about this. I stumble, stumble and struggle like everyone else. And um, so my hope is that you'll see me like a volunteer standing on the side of a race, you know, kind of holding out a cup of water and cheering you on. And um, what I want for this is for you, for those of you who are already doing this, to just keep doing it, keep going. For those of you who are struggling with this, as we all have, I hope that this helps you overcome the lies and the stumbling blocks that have come up for you as you're doing, um, trying to do this and grow closer to God. Like Steve said last week, we keep hearing people say, oh, 2020 has been a rough year, as if things are going to magically you know, change at January 1st. I'm sorry to you know, burst that bubble. Um, but I, I hope that they do. I certainly hope that they do. But it's very possible that they won't. And so I do know that this year has taught us that it's all the more important for us to uh, lean on God. We need him more now than ever, and we're very aware of that. So my goal today, I'll just give you the message right now. My goal today is to encourage you to draw close to God through prayer and through his word. That's it. Good job. Yeah, <laughs> like mind blown. You're like, okay, I kind of already knew that. And right, my goal is not to teach you anything new, um, to shock you. This is definitely one of those, like, a yearly reminder kind of thing. And so the first reason why um, is because God commands us for our good. So if you've heard the, the Christian message for any length of time, it's easy to get used to the idea that the almighty God of creation wants to be known to it by us and spend time with us. If you use that sentence out of the context of Christianity, it's a crazy idea. It's totally ludicrous. It makes no sense at all. We usually, even you know, as Christians, it's, it's easy for us to think of God as like in the clouds, far away, you know, doing things like keeping the planets not hitting each other and things like that. But God wants to be with us. He's here with us right now, and he wants to walk alongside us and be intimately involved in our lives. So in his love and compassion, the God of the universe established this line of communication between us through, or to us through his word and prayer. Now, not only does God want to spend time with us, he commands it. So we're following, if we're following him, he's commanded us. As our king, that should be enough. But it isn't just because he says so. He could say, stand on one foot, and he's our king, so we should do that. But he says, this is for your good. And so, uh, next slide, it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This is from Joshua. Um, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So be careful to do all that is written in it, and then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I like being prosperous, and I like having good success. So, seems like a good idea. Um, the next one is the very first psalm. talks about, Their delight is in the law of the Lord, 
and on his law they meditate day and night. They're like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all they do, they prosper. Prosper. This seems like a good idea. Um, we should focus on that. So God made us in his image, and we were created to be in relationship with him and glorify him. It's the fuel we were made to run on, the source of living water that we live by. But then, you know, that all makes sense. We're like, I could stop right there, and you'd be like, yes, that's right, we agree. But the lies creep in, and we go, I mean, we would never say this out loud, but, you know, we go, hmm, do I really need to spend time with God? I mean, Sunday sermon's enough. And, you know, I see Bible quotes in my uh, social media feed, and I read the Bible occasionally, and I pray when I can or when I need to. And this mentality is like someone who eats an unhealthy diet and goes, see, I'm not dead. I guess I can eat this. It's like only until you exercise and eat that, that, you know, the, the right foods, you know, it's only until you do it that you go, huh, I feel a lot better. I mean, yeah, I'm not dead, but I, I actually feel good. I had no idea how I lived like that before. And God is telling us that there's a better way to live. And we should take him up on that. So I've got a few quotes sprinkled in here from people throughout, you know, um, saints throughout the ages that kind of, I hope, will encourage us and challenge us. First one's from Billy Graham. says, if you're ignorant of God's word, you will always be ignorant of God's will. Next is Charles Spurgeon, who says, a Bible who's fall that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And Lisa Turkers, they say these better than I can, so that's why I'm using them. Um, when the world beats you down, open up your Bible. I hear God's voice in my spirit because his words echo in my mind. When you spend time in scripture, it gives the Holy Spirit opportunities to speak into your life. So, okay, you're sold, you know, prosperous, successful. It uh, encourages you when you're down. It fills your spirit. Why wouldn't we do this? That sounds like a win-win, obvious, easy thing to do. So why do we resist? I mean, I am the first to admit that we struggle with these things. We don't always do it as much as we want. Why? Why isn't it easier? Why aren't we doing this? And these are great questions. And the answer can be summed up by, we have an enemy. God will have the ultimate victory. The devil knows this, but is willing to keep fighting and keep you from enjoying God and using, him, using your gifts to glorify him and serve others. Now, we've all made resolutions before, and we know how that goes. Sorry, again, being a downer. Um, I, want your, I want your resolutions to succeed, but we know that some of them fall through. Some of them we keep good on. Others last for a few days, a few weeks. But this resolution, this idea of reading through the Bible and being with God is totally different than weight loss or financial planning. This is a battle for our soul. Our enemy knows what's at stake. He knows what will happen, you know, prosperous, successful, blessing others. And so he doesn't rust at trying to keep us from God's word. And so we, we believe these lies that say we're too tired or busy or we're just drawn to more entertaining things. But have you considered that these reactions are the result of an intentional, offensive strategy? that's intended to keep you ineffective in your walk, and by doing so, by believing these lies, we're playing right into the enemy's hands. Our enemy will try and keep us busy, distract us, and sow seeds of doubt. These lies, though, they disappear. They are only, they are vapor. They only have the power we give them. So the question is, are we going to believe in God's promises or in the enemy's lies? The lies are everywhere. We don't have to look far for them. But the truth of God's truth, God's promises are in the Bible, and that requires us to read them. Therefore, we have to go into this with a proper mindset. If we have an enemy, if I told you you had an enemy, it would kind of change how you approach your day. If I told you somebody's out to get you, you might start to live your life a little bit differently. I'm telling you, you have an enemy. <laughs> Someone's out to get you. And so we have to go into this with a proper mindset. As Paul says in Ephesians, we need to put on the full armor of God because like it or not, we are at war and we can't give up. So, am I just 
making a big deal out of nothing here? Is, is everything fine, but Phil's just, you know, really, uh, you know, bringing this home? Well, let's take a look. Um, so let's pick, a, you know, 100 Americans. According to the research, out of 100 Americans, 9% read the Bible daily. And that dropped from 14% to 9%. Now, 14% wasn't great to start with, but 9%. And I want you to imagine if you were fighting a war where only 9% of your soldiers knew how to fight. Or if you were a sports team where only one of your players knew the rules of the game. You'd be concerned. Another study said that only 49% of people, of Christians, believe that salvation is through faith and not by works. So less than half people, half of people, believe this lie, or sorry, Less than half of people believe the central tenet of Christianity, which is that we are not saved by what we've done. We are not saved by being good enough. We are not saved by the nice things we've done or the good things we've done. We are saved by Christ alone, faith alone, in Christ alone. So just want to clarify that right now. You know, if you're believing that, that like, oh, well, it may, you know, I, I, I'm going to go to heaven because I've been a good person. That is what people surveyed said. And that is the opposite of what Jesus said. So Paul says the word of God is our sword, the only offensive weapon in our spiritual armor. And the author of Hebrews says God's word is living and active. Can you imagine going into a battle without your weapon? We're praying for revival in our church and in our country. And maybe some of us think that revival is going to come with some charismatic preacher or some really cool program that takes the church by storm, but it's not going to be. It's going to be in the quiet of our rooms, reading the, reading the word and being in prayer with God. That's where revival will start. When the church is ignorant of the Bible, a false religion can take hold of us, built upon our opinions and what the world is trying to sell us rather than what God's word says. We can't determine what's from God unless, like the Bereans in Acts 17, we test all things in light of Scripture. Now, if our relationship with God is timid and lifeless, then the Bible says we'll be tossed about by the waves, double-minded and choked by the cares of the world. I appreciate that Northview is a, fa is a family, is a church that believes in the Word of God, trusts it, makes decisions based upon it, and I'm really grateful to the staff that, and the elders who seek God's will and teach it. But Sunday can't be the only time your faith is fed. So Nip Ripke, um, Ripken sorry, uh, was asked, do you think spiritual oppression or persecution is going to come to America? And he said, not if the enemy has something to say about it. Why would the enemy want to wake us up? R.C. Sproul said, the devil is delighted when we spend our time and energy defining the, defending the Bible, as long as we don't get around to actually reading the Bible. And then C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape, Screwtape Letters is this fictional conversation between um, a senior you know, demon that's training another one, and he says, it's funny how mortals always picture us demons as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. It's easy to let the cares of the world or the relative comfort of our situation, let us fall into a spiritual stupor. Now, I am, you know, one of you, I'm, I'm just, you know, trying to make it through life and, and follow God as closely as I can. And, but you may be saying to me, Phil, if you understood my situation, you'd understand why I can't read the Bible. Or don't. Remember, it's God who commands us to read the Bible. And he's not, you know... He knows our lives. He knows our situation. He's not going to ask us to do something we couldn't do. He's not trying to set us up for failure. So my goal is to dismantle and throw some tr truth on these lies that we believe. If you were standing at the edge of a cliff, I'd have you look down and go, oh, whoa, 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 okay, and then you'd back away. I wouldn't tell you that it's far down. I would show you that it's far down. If I was a doctor talking to you about your lifestyle or some condition that you have and you need to get this uh, treatment to save your life, I wouldn't sugarcoat and say, eh, it's probably fine. I mean, you know, if you want to. I would tell you how dangerous this is. And I would show you the truth so that you would believe me and go, okay, I don't care how painful it is. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to get this treatment. So 
This is more important than both of those things because it concerns your life and eternity. And so I want to review some of the lies that we're going to, that we commonly use to keep us from the word. So the first one is, I just don't have enough time. And it does feel like we're always busy. I mean, pre-COVID, it was amazing how once COVID hit, we're like, huh, all those things I was doing, I was really busy. You know, I'm still busy, but very different. Um, it does feel like we're always busy. But the question is not, do, could we have more time, but how are we spending that time? I read that the average time spent on phones is estimated to be three and a half hours a day. And about 40 minutes of that, at least 40 minutes of that, is social media. And I expect that's even higher for us now during COVID. So using one of those apps to track my usage, I was shocked to find out how much of my day I actually spend on looking at a screen. Our enemy wants us to be occupied and distracted. So consider how you're spending your day. Your phone, or whatever it is, can be a tool for distraction, but it can also, your phone can be used as a powerful tool for Bible study. We've never had more resources um, available to us. Here's a fun fact that I found. 20% of the books of the Bible, entire books of the Bible, can be read in less than 10 minutes. So there's larger ones like Genesis and Isaiah and things like that, but 20%, one-fifth of the Bible could be read, uh, a book of the Bible could be read in under 10 minutes. Imagine how your life would be transformed if you redeemed just a few minutes of your day. Now, each of you will have to figure out what makes sense for your situation. So if you're really at a loss for when you could read, read when you eat. Listen to the audio version while you're on your commute to work. And if you have kids, please put on a show or something. Give yourself 30 minutes and then do it again so you have 30 minutes, you know, again, to do something else. Um, next slide. So Job said... I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. We will make time for whatever is important to us. Jesus said to them in uh, John, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So we make priorities for eating and, and things that we know are important, but Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So let's look at the next lie. The Bible is boring. <laughs> and I realize that we're used to visual entertainment, but just as a quick, like, five-second summary, the Bible contains the rise and fall of empires, kings, has romances, miracles, wars, lives transformed, and that's not even counting Revelation. So these stories rival anything else you're going to find on Netflix or online. So, you know, let's, let's just be clear here. Now, God has used his word to transform people and inspire them to do amazing things. Look at just the, the stories that would come out of Northview. And translators and missionaries have given their lives for this book. So did they think that they were dying for a boring book? I don't think so. Next slide. This one's very common. The Bible's outdated. I mean, that's a great, you know, it's got some good stuff in it, but like, ugh, don't, don't go, you know, we don't really want to read that. Um, it's common to hear this, actually. There's portions of the Bible that seem antiquated or even barbarous. But study these passages, and you'll see how in those situations, God called the nation of Israel to a level of holiness, justice, and compassion that went beyond their neighbors. Now, that seems like a message that's just as true today as it was then. And on the flip side, you'll study the Bible and see that it's really unjustified, these claims that, oh, the Bible supports slavery. No, it doesn't. The you know, women should be mistreated. Uh, you should read the verses that surround those pages. You know, I'm sorry, but no. There's lots of ludicrous claims that come out of reading verses out of context or not understanding what's going on there. The God of the Bible is a God of justice, and these examples from church history actually prove even more how important it is to be in God's word, because otherwise we can just do what we decide to do or let the culture change us. The church is no different from Israel. We stumble when we choose to forget God and live our own way. Now, next slide. I don't know if the text will come up, but I couldn't resist putting a, a meme up on, you know, the screen. I mean, I love Leviticus. I have a really funny obsession with the book of Leviticus. 
it just seems like a really important book these days, you know, saying like, wash your hands and don't eat bats. That seems like a really important thing for us to remember these days. Um, but Leviticus is also a great book and other reasons. Um, I'm happy to, you know, talk to you about it some other time. So anyway, next slide, please. Now, this is a, this is a reasonable one. Um, I don't like reading. I'm not a book person. Okay, I understand. Not everyone's dream vacation involves reading a stack of books. There's lots of other options, though. Have you tried audiobooks? It's great for listening on your commute and maybe even doing chores or laundry or something like that. For the majority of human history, the only way people heard the Bible or uh, was, were in the Bible was by hearing it because the majority of people were illiterate. And so if you, now with, the, with our ability to read, if you listen and read along, it really helps out. I've heard it be beneficial to a lot of people. And the Bible has history, personal letters, poetry. There's something that will appeal to everyone. I agree that there are parts of the Bible that, are more, that draw me in more than others. Um, but even if we don't all read books, I imagine we all read something. You know, um, Some of us haven't picked up a book in years. But remember, this isn't just a book. And this is not a textbook. This is a living letter from the God of the universe. And if you're getting hung up on a particular part of Scripture, as I definitely do, um, then move on to something else, but just keep reading. There are hard parts for sure, but that's definitely not a reason to stop. Next slide. Lie number five, I don't understand the Bible. Now, that's not entirely a lie, but it's a lie that allows us to go, I don't understand the Bible, so I'm not going to read it. It's too hard for me. I'm not educated enough, I'm not smart enough, whatever it is. Now, part of the challenge for this, I mean, it's legitimate because the Bible was written not to us. It was written to people thousands of years ago in a culture and people that were removed from us by time and space. And so God, yet God wants us to read this book often. So would God like, again, try and make this, you know, like a game of cat and mouse or hide and seek, like, oh, I'm going to hide myself in a really difficult book, but I want you to read it every day. That doesn't seem right. No. Think about how many people have followed God faithfully that, were, that had a lack of formal education. We can do this. So Charles Spurgeon said that the Bible is simple enough to be understood by a child, but deep enough to be explored for a lifetime. Mark Twain said, the passages of scripture which trouble me most are not the ones I don't understand, but those which I do. And Soren Kierkegaard said, we pretend to be unable to understand the Bible because we know very well that the minute we understand, we are obliged to act accordingly. Ouch. <laughs> he knows <laughs> So, your mission is not to understand everything in the Bible. None of us do. The Bible challenges our ways of thinking and our idols. And the majority of the time, the Bible can be understood. But when you are confused, consult others and do research. There are answers to our questions. This is what I love. Coming from Christianity, um, at the time I did, I was a skeptic. I was, you know, a scientist who was going to pick this apart and be like, nope, it's not going to be right. I'm going to figure it out. But no, Christianity will... Christianity can handle our skepticism. It's the only worldview I know that says, ask me, challenge me, let's see if I'm right. And the Bible stands strong. Now, some topics are never going to be conclusive this side of heaven, but we have enough to serve him faithfully. So in addition to my own story of transformation, I wanted to share a powerful example of this I've been observing for the last year or so in my family that I'd like to share with you. Um, this is my Uncle John. Ben's there a few years ago for reference, just the height. Um, now, if you met my uncle, you'd probably ask yourself two things, or you'd say to yourself two things. Number one, how could Phil possibly be related to this guy? And number two, I, I hope he doesn't want to hurt me. Because he's over six feet tall, he rides his Harley, and he hangs out with his motorcycle club. He's the epitome of the born-to-be-wild biker. A couple years ago, he was sorting through my grandma, uh, his mom's stuff, after she died, when he came across a note in her Bible that alluded to the fact that she's Jewish. In the time and place she lived, this wasn't a popular thing to announce, so I can see why she kept it secret, but it kept, it shocked my, mo uh, my uncle and my dad to discover this. It shocked my uncle so much, he started listening to a messianic rabbi and reading the Bible. He laughed at the irony that it took him until he was 66 to read the 66 books of the Bible. And now he was raised by a godly woman. He decided to go his own way and live the way he wanted to. He's undergoing lung cancer treatment, among other things. And he is a high school graduate. I've never seen him read anything except a motorcycle magazine. But his condition gave him lots and lots of time to read and study. 
And now he calls me and teaches me lessons from the Bible and blows me away. They're really cool stuff. The more powerful accomplishment, though, is his transformation from the guy who pick a fight with anyone just for fun to the soft-spoken, humble child of God who'd find any opportunity to share Jesus, whether it's with the nurse caring for him in the hospital or with the members of his motorcycle club. The Holy Spirit of God uses his word to transform us and redeem his world. So are you ready to give that up, that old life, and take on one that's greater than you can possibly imagine? Um, I hope you're listening to the Holy Spirit and you're ready to stop hiding behind those lies, but you're not sure where to start. It's a new habit, so that's hard enough, but you also have an enemy and the world trying to stop you. So let me share some best practices from, um, uh, that have worked for me and others. And the step one is be assured of your salvation. This feels like a step zero, but some of you are trying to win a spiritual battle in your own strength. I've been amazed every time I've come across college, preacher, or college uh, professors or preachers who will teach you about the Bible, but they're not Christians. And I go, what, what's going on here? Oh, well, I guess that makes sense why I'm, you're saying that. Um, the message of the Bible doesn't make sense apart from the, the enlightening of the Holy Spirit. Now, I often ask people about their Christian background because I came to uh, Christianity much later in life, so I'm interested to hear how people um, become a Christian or where they're at in their spiritual walk. And it's common to hear people say that they grew up in church, they participated in Sunday school, they went to Awanas, youth summer camps, and they even come to church as an adult. But when you ask them what the gospel is, no. Nah. Or when you say to them, when was the last time you spent time with God? I can't remember. So let's be clear. If you've grown up in the church, your parents are Christians, your friends are Christians, your political beliefs align with Christians, you come to church every Sunday, I'm really sorry to tell you, God's not, God's not fooled by your masquerade, okay? A Christian's not known by what they do or their outward appearance, but by their relationship with God. So before we talk about like, how to get through the Bible, which is a great idea, you need to first make sure that you are assured of your salvation. So talk to a Christian about getting right with God because everything else falls from that and anything else you try and do will be in vain. Jesus said, every tree that does not bear fruit, good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Paul says in Galatians, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. For whatever one sows, that they will also reap. For the one who sows to their own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And Jesus then says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it's he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, cool. You're a Christian. Yay. Step two. Repent of the idols you've created and the lies you've believed. Now imagine if I told my, fam told my family that I love them. But every time it was you know, an opportunity to spend time with them, I'd be like, I'm going to be over here. I'm going to do something else. Or if I was supposed to go out on a date with my wife, and I was like, oh, God, okay, how long is this going to last? Mm, okay, fine. I guess we can go on a date. That would never happen. No way. I look forward to things. You wouldn't think I had much love for my family. And so it's been said what we love is revealed by our time, money, and talents, how we spend that. So whatever has become a higher priority for you than God, or whatever you're letting distract you, and it's a constant battle. It's not a one-and-done thing. It's a constant challenge. You need to repent of those things and destroy those idols. Throughout the Bible, God speaks to his people as a father and a husband. God started this relationship with you. He wants your love, but he won't force you to be with him. And so he waits for us with arms open wide. And it's us who have to come to him with um, ready to discard everything else. Um, James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And um, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they're empty. 
Okay, step three. Make a plan. So I work with amazing program managers at work. I could not do without. Um, they amaze me with their, I have to sit in some of the meetings where they're doing their planning and strategy and I have to tune out because it's just so good at what they do and all this logistics that it just overwhelms me. Um, I do, I am not on par with them, but I do live by the mindset of if you plan to fail, if you do not, uh, sorry, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. And so you need to have some kind of plan. If you just say, I'm going to read the Bible. Okay. How are you going to do it? I don't know. That's not going to work. Because we know what happens when we say, I'm going to do something, but don't make a plan. It's not going to work out. So take a few minutes and write down, um, like I said before, what are the idols, excuses, distractions, things that you're allowing to keep you from God? And just, you know, keep a note on those that you're going to have to keep those at bay. Now, an idol, just, you know, to clarify, doesn't have to just be things like pornography. Those are obviously um, idols and, and sinful, but it could be anything. An idol is anything that we elevate to the status of God. And so it could be work, it could be family, it could be good things that we turn into idols. And the second thing is establish when and where you're going to start reading and praying. It could be in the car before you head into work, the floor beside your bed when you first wake up, or even the one place that many of us experience any privacy at all, the bathroom. But pick a time and place. Use a notification on your phone to remind you whatever you gotta do. And um, build a team. If, if you're writing these things down or, forget, or you're not sure if you'll remember them, I'm going to send out encouragements um, monthly um, as I did last year, and you can sign up through the um, You're Through the Bible um, website, and I'm happy to, I'm going to include a lot of this stuff in there so you don't have to you know, forget it if you forget it all. Um, but the, the, the last part of this make a plan thing is build a team. You, the, devil, the, the key strategy of the enemy is to keep us alone. You know, make us feel we're the only one. Keep us isolated. Oh, there are great Christians over there, but no, 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 no. So we have to make a plan. We have to keep a team. We can't do this alone. Now, I know we're often separated, but who is your posse, as Steve would say? Your spouse, your roommate, somebody that you talk to or you text? community group, whatever it is, tell them that you're planning to do this and ask them to keep you accountable and lovingly encourage you. God wants us to be in the Bible daily, but you're going to experience warfare, especially if you haven't connected with God in a while because you're going to notice subtle things. It's just going to be like, oh, I feel tired today, or man, I feel sick, or you're going to notice. It's going to be like, what? All I want to do is read the Bible. What's going on here? This is warfare that the enemy is trying to discourage you because he knows what's going to happen to you, your family, and the world if you start to live for God. So uh, the psalmist says, how sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now here's my favorite part. I get to tell you this. I get to, please do this. I encourage you to eat chocolate when you read the Bible, when you start out, or a snack, whatever your snack is. Because when a Jewish person starts to, starts to study Torah, they're like this, um, given a cracker covered with honey so that they'll associate the sweetness of the honey with reading Torah. Same thing. Convince your brain, this is a good time. I'm looking forward to that snack. Or maybe it's some coffee and cozy pajamas. I don't know. Give yourself a reason to look forward to this. You're like, oh, but I should, you know, like we have this monk mindset of like, oh, I should just like the Bible because it's itself and I should just love praying. You'll get there. But you're fighting your flesh. You're fighting this, uh, the enemy. And so give yourself reasons to look forward to it. That will help you build the habit. Step four says, let's start small. So like me, if you're like me, you bite off too much, and get overwhelmed. As, as my wife was reading this, uh, giving me feedbacks, this is the one part she went, mm-hmm. So, always, I have this much to do, but why not try this? That's what I always do. But building a habit is like training for a marathon and saying, hmm, okay, I, I'm going to run 10 miles today of my first day of training. And then, you know, as you might, you get exhausted after the one mile of training, and you're like, oh, forget this, I'm done with this, and you give up. If you were talking to me, if I told you that, you wouldn't say to me, like, yeah, that makes sense, you should give up. You'd be like, no, no, don't give up, just don't try and bite off 10 miles in the first day. Let's give, build up. In the same way, don't go, I'm going to read through Genesis today. Great, great goal, but if you get through only Genesis 1, cool, that's great, go for it. 
Some of you like the challenge of reading through the Bible in a year or the New Testament in two, in two times in a year. And there's lots of great plans out there. And I encourage you to pick one. They're great. But to stay in the word. That's the most important thing. These goals and plans are great. But if you're just staying in the Bible one chapter a day, being consistent, that's better than any plan or goal that you can set. So um, I created a worksheet, which you can get from the Northview website. It, there's so many things out there, but I thought this might be helpful to some. I think it would be helpful to me. Um, so I, I created this to kind of like be an encouragement to you. If you. I'm sure you can't see it. It may be hard to see up there. But, you know, it's just all the books of the Bible on there and all the chapters. Um, so let's say it's January 1st. You're like, I'm going to do this. And let's say you start with Ruth because you look at it and go, hmm, what's an easy one I could pick up? Oh, Ruth. Ruth, okay, there's four chapters of Ruth. I could do that. Now, Ruth is a great book. It foreshadows Jesus. It is an interesting story. It's only four chapters. Go for it. Be successful. Short, small successes. So I read chapter one, then I read chapter two, then I read chapter three. I'm doing great. Read chapter four. Woo! I finished the book of the Bible. Yeah, that's great. You're like, oh, it's only. No, 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 no. Don't tell yourself that. You finished the book of the Bible. Okay? Then you go. All right, well, that was cool. Let's, let's start knocking off some psalms. So you read a psalm there. Maybe you just skip to another psalm there. And, you know, you don't have to go through 1 through 150 all at once. You could, but you don't have to. And you're like, okay, this is good. I'm on it. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm ready. I'm loving this. Now, okay, uh, I guess I'll, let's do Genesis. Let's start with Genesis. But you go, oh, man, Genesis chapter 11, genealogies. How many of us are like, reading through the Bible, it's so great. And then this guy, about this, uh, you're like, you know, this guy begat this person, this guy begat this person. You're like, oh, every year this kills me. Guess what? You're the one reading the Bible. There's no grade, there's no teacher, there's no whatever. Just read what you want to read. And I'm not saying skip the Bible and all that kind of stuff. I'm saying come back to that part. You don't have to read through the Bible all at once. Genesis to Revelation. You can, but if there's a part that you're like, this is confusing me, I'm not saying skip it. I'm saying come back to it because like, like the ground that yields diamonds, but you have to dig for it. My friend John just sent me this amazing thing about the genealogies in Genesis. It'll blow your mind. It's amazing. And you wouldn't get it unless you were reading the Hebrew about it. I mean, thankfully, there's somebody who's translated, so you don't have to. But the point is, there's amazing things in these chapters that confuse us. But some of them are easy to read. Some of them are more challenging. Don't give up. Just say, okay, I'm going to come back to that. So just um, maybe one day you'll read three chapters. Maybe you'll read one chapter. Maybe you'll only read one verse because God's like, hey, let's talk about this verse today. That's okay. Just read. Just spend time with God. And I think that... Something like this um, would be helpful to a lot of people because putting it on your refrigerator or on your, your mirror or whatever, you know, your car, whatever would be helpful to you and crossing it off, those things have been shown uh, for all kinds of habit building that doing something like that is satisfying. You're like, yeah, I beat, you know, I did that, I beat that, I did, um, I crossed that off. So try it out. Uh, download it, you know, we can get you a copy if you need it. Um, the last, the last uh, step I think in this is to remind us to go slow because we want to read through the Bible. We want to get it done. Great, excellent idea, excellent goal. And you'll give you a panoramic view of the Bible. You'll understand like how God's working through all ages of history. That's a wonderful goal. You totally should. But this is not just about reading a history book or you know completing a task. This is about being with God. And we need to make sure we're at a pace that we can enjoy it and let it seep into our mind and talk to God about it. Because what he's going to say to you and to me is different, and that's okay. I read in the morning when I wake up, and sometimes I'll feel, find myself reading a passage of Scripture and be like, what did I just read? <laughs> you know, and I know I need to go back and get some more coffee. So it's not just about like, oh, yeah, I can check that off and I'm done. It's about reading and drawing closer to God. So sometimes that means you're going to have to read and reread and let the scripture um, seep into you through memorization and meditation. So we already talked about John, uh, Joshua 1.8 and Psalm 1 and John 15, which are all very important. I actually want to point to 
one of the most famous and important verses in the Hebrew Bible. You have, uh, it may not mean anything to you if I say this is the Shema, but to a Jewish person, this is very important because two times a day, um, they're encouraged, well, we're encouraged to pray the Shema prayer. And Jesus said it's the most important commandment, which is to hear our Israel. And I want to point out that that word hear, that's Shema. That's where that, um, why it's called the Shema. In Hebrew, there's no word for hear and disobey or hear and don't do anything. You know, it's not, Jesus isn't just saying like, do you hear me? No. That's why, you know, you hear Jesus say, hear all the time. He's saying because hearing is supposed to lead to doing. So hear, O Israel, like, come on, Israel, do this. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And we've heard that. And what God says right after that is really important for us. It's a call to meditate and reflect and teach our families. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Um, this is why you might see you know, Jewish people kissing mezuzah as they enter their door. Or you may have seen the phylacteries where people are putting them. It's, they're taking this very literally, but the point is... We need to be in the word, not just I need to have a daily time with the word, but God's, you know, you're like, isn't that enough? God wants this in your life all day long. So God put this right after the Shema to point out how important this is to us and how vital God thinks this is for our families. Now, I'm happy to share at another time all the benefits scripture reading, memorizing has afforded me during my struggle with sin and um, how it's helped me to encourage other people. But I'll just say it's going to be a huge blessing to you that every time God says, hey, slow down, let's talk about this verse. And you go, oh, that was important. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's talking to me about this one. Just write it down, or there's Bible apps that let you do this, and just remember that verse. We know the lyrics to countless songs, and, and I know people in here who can uh, say sports stats that I, I can't even remember what you know, year that happened. So we can do this. I'm not saying you need to memorize 100 verses of Scripture, but... If God brings something to your mind, reflect on it, memorize it, and God will give you the power to do it. Now, one last uh, type of attack the enemy will try and bring to you as you try to start on this is the spirit of legalism, where you'll say, well, yeah, I'm reading a chapter to the Bible, but God's not really happy with me until I read three chapters, or, you know, oh, I only read Ruth, or things like that. We can't let that attack us. This is something that I struggle with. But just like I don't keep, you know, a timer saying, okay, well, we've Melissa, we've dated for, you know, we've gone on a date for an hour. Uh, maybe we should do an hour and 20 minutes? Like, that, that doesn't make sense in the context of a date. And being with God, it doesn't make sense to have, like, oh, uh, God, are you happy with this 20 minutes we spend? Or should it be 25 minutes or an hour? You know, like, it doesn't make sense. Because God wants to just be with us. Just be with God. Don't worry about if you're doing it right. Just let grace cover your conversations and your time with God. Now, there's a few options, as if you, you know, or, or get fired up for this, um, there's a few options you can go through uh, on the Northview Read Through the Bible website. You can go through the canon, which is, you know, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. You can go uh, chronological, which is creation to eternal kingdom, so it's kind of uh, not in order of the pages, but it's a um, very interesting way to read the Bible. There are lots of um, studies out there that will give you a mix of, like, the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament, some Psalms, but Regardless, the mindset I want you to have, whatever plan you pick, is to have a champ mindset. Because, you know, nothing, no sermon is, uh, is complete without an acronym or, a, uh, you know, something like that. So, champ. Chapter, memorize or meditate and pray, okay? Just have a champ mindset. See, doesn't that sound so cool? Um, so, uh, now it's official. So, keep in the word, okay? Be with God. That's all that matters. Now, um, Paul says finally, and I'll say finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and the power, cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Once you've decided to follow God, our enemy is going to look for ways to make you stumble. And I'm not trying to say this to scare you, but just to wake you up to how important this is. The universe knows how important this is. Like, there are lots of people who don't want this to happen for you. 
So we can work together, we can support one another to happen, uh, make this happen. God is the one that will bless you and walk with you through this. So as I invite the worship team back up, let's remember this. Our hearts and souls long to connect with God. So put God first in your life and make room in your life to spend time with him, and then it won't matter whether 2021 is better or worse than 2020. I'll leave you with every year they do some survey and find out the most popular verse of 2020, and let's leave you with this. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Give Phil a hand. That was outstanding. You can't match that energy. Phil, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. And if you just allow me to testify for a second. I was raised in the church, raised in a Christian family, but it wasn't until I took the plunge and decided to make my faith my own and read the scriptures on my own, read the context of the scriptures, that my relationship became deeper and it made it more real. So I just want to dovetail on what he was saying. I just want to encourage you to... Yeah, let's, let's read the Bible together, shall we, as a church? Stand with us as you're able. We're going to close with this song. We did this last week, so you might know it by now. We're just praying Lord's will to be done as we close together as a church. So join us. in hell.
as a church. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to walk in a manner worthy. Help us to love those around us. And Lord, as we delve into your word with intentionality, Lord, may that give us that steadfast faith and that peace within our spirit that we need as we look to you, as we cling to you as the rock and our foundation, Lord. We thank you for this time. We offer it to you in your name and all God's children say, amen. Phil's given us a great challenge. Let's see what we do with it. You are dismissed. <laughs>